0: Good morning, everybody, and a happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Um, once again, we'd like to um, honor any of our military uh, vets or um, people who um, have served previously in the military. Do we have anybody in here who's uh, served? Okay, well, um, we know, yeah, we honor you. Thank you so, so much for your service. And we also um, just want to um, say that we um, honor and are praying for family members and friends who've fallen in service um, as we celebrate Memorial Day weekend. And we pray that God would be with families as a comfort and a hope um, for all that's to come and the life to come. And so uh, with that in mind, um, we just wanted to say that um, I'm going to get started on the message today. But if you hear a phone call in the middle of the message, I apologize. Our air conditioning went out and we have been sweating for the past week and a half, talking about, listen, where in the world are we living now? <laughs> you know I mean? And so they might call in the middle of this, and I might just stop the message and leave. Because no, I'm kidding, I'm playing with you, I'm playing with you. <laughs> because it's been hot, <laughs> you know, so Chicago is a city of extremes. It's either like negative 20 or hundred and two so like you know we're we're in the middle of that and bearing with it so God bless you thanks for being here today so with that in mind what we're doing is we're going to actually do a, a singular message today celebrating uh, Memorial Day but uh, really uh, po- focusing on and pointing to the memorials that God himself has us build uh, the reason why is because uh, what we see all throughout scripture is that we are a part of god's overarching story that he started at creation and that he's going to bring to fulfillment and the culmination of all things when jesus christ the living god makes his return and so being part of that story is good but what we've got to understand is that when we talk about memorials even as we celebrate memorial day tomorrow we're literally talking about and we're essentially talking about stories being told and it is important that you understand your place in god's story If you are going to actually serve him faithfully as a Christian, or if you're not a Christian yet, learn how to interact with him and respond to him as a part of his overarching story as we go along today. So if you're taking notes, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about memorials in three parts. We're going to talk about memorials in terms of understanding the faithfulness of God on display. It's part of the songs that we were singing this weekend, right? I love that worship set. Anybody appreciate that worship set? Okay, Um, this is the faithfulness of God on display. Um, Then, secondly, when we talk about memorials, we're understanding a filter. For today's trials, right? So we understand God's faithfulness on display by what he's already done, but that also gives us a filter for today's trials. And then finally, by understanding the memorials that are set up in God's kingdom, what we have is faith for tomorrow's high call in God, okay? So three F's, it's faithfulness, the faithfulness of God on display, a filter for today's trials, and then faith for tomorrow's high call in Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Father, thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that you've given it to us to strengthen us, encourage us, and give us great joy and great hope in the salvation that you provided for us through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we acknowledge that the greatest soldier, the greatest hero of all, has literally been your son who voluntarily laid down his life for our sins, took it all the punishment that we deserve on the cross and was raised three days later victoriously to give us the hope of not only new life, but eternal life in him. So God, we ask you to be with us today and help us to receive the encouragement of your word in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have a Bible today, turn with me, if you will, to Joshua. Joshua chapter four. Joshua was a soldier himself a soldier himself in the army of God, helping to extend the kingdom of God. And what we see is uh, in context, this is Joshua. who was a aid, an aid to Moses. Many people are familiar with Moses, who led the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt onto, into the precipice of the Promised Land in modern-day Canaan. And what we see is that Moses eventually went the way of all the earth. He went on to be with the Lord, um, but his young age. Aid- Joshua was his successor. He was the one who was going to take the Israelites into the promised land, modern-day Canaan, which is otherwise known as modern-day Israel, and he was going to lead them into the plans and purposes of God. And to do so, they had to fight battles. They had to literally win wars, but the point is is that in doing so, God also had to work miracles on their behalf. And how many people know that the things that God's called you to do are literally going to take miracles to be worked on your behalf? meaning not the things that you want to do, or the things that I want to do, right? We think about Memorial Day. We think about just barbecuing, hanging out and, you know, things like that, getting a little rest and relaxation. Anybody going to the beach in the city? Okay, I I love living in... Okay, that's fine. You don't have to. Okay, but I I love living in Chicago because you have, like, the beach in front of you with Lake Michigan and then, like, skyscrapers in the back. Kind of cool, right? Anyway, but the point is is that uh, we think about those things and they're pretty much simple things, things that we could accomplish in our own strength or do. But whenever God's called you to something it takes a miracle to accomplish. The things that God wants to do in and through your life literally take miracles. And so, for the Israelites to come into the promised land, it took a miracle of God. What they had to do was they had to cross what was known as the Jordan River. They had to cross the Jordan River, and at the time of their crossing, when millions were literally being led out of Egypt into the promised land, what we saw is that they couldn't on their own cross the river because it was at flood stage. It was the high tide of the season, and they needed to get into the land that God promised him, but God needed to open that Jordan River up. Essentially, he did it by his miracle power and what we're picking up with in Joshua chapter 4 today is on the tail end of that miracle that he accomplished, what were the Israelites to do? And God said they were to create memorials of his faithfulness because it would set up everything that he would call them to do after that point. So let's read together. It says when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan the waters <clears throat> when it passed over the Jordan the waters of the Jordan were cut off so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they had lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people. According to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. So, what we see is that literally the waters are parted, a miracle occurs, and based on God's promise, the Israelites are able to enter the land. Now, that was only the beginning for them because we know that after they entered the land, they had to fight into it, right? They had to dispossess the nations that were there and literally establish the kingdom of God in their place. But we see that this, just as the waters parted, that the same faithfulness that God would have in bringing them out of Egypt initially, right? He was performing for them whenever they were crossing the Jordan River. They had faith to cross in that miracle because they'd already seen a miracle before. And some of the miracles that they had seen included what? The plagues in Egypt, right? Whenever they were bringing them, and whenever God was bringing them out of Egypt, he over and over again showed his strength among not only the Israelites, but the Egyptians by performing miracles that said, I am ruler of heaven and earth. I control all things, and I'm able to work on behalf of those that I love, to free them, to to deliver them, and to bring them into the life of purpose that I had for them. And so when the Israelites were literally coming to the Jordan, Jordan River, they were coming with a testimony that God had already established for himself. When God was saying, hey, you're going to have to cross this river, you're going to have to believe me for a miracle, they were like, okay. Why? Because God has already shown himself to be faithful. And as God's shown himself to be faithful before, I know that he remains the same. He's going to be faithful again. So as he's asking me to step out once again into another miraculous moment, I can do so because God's shown his faithfulness before. And isn't that good news? How many of you have actually experienced something in your life? And I mean this, whether it be before you knew God in Jesus Christ or since you've known God, how many of you have actually experienced something miraculous in your life? where literally God had to intervene, God was providing for you, God somehow healed you, God somehow was working out some sort of reconciliation where you thought things were lost, or literally God not only figuratively in a real way saved your life from death and hell, but he saved your life physically today. I know my life, even before I knew Jesus was saved over and over again because I was a ruffian. Okay. Anybody was, was anybody else like sort of a stubborn ruffian like myself growing up? Okay. It's sort of like you should have been gone. Okay. I remember how many, I don't remember how many times my dad says, I don't know why you're still here. And I was like, do you want me to be here? You know, but the point, but the point is, it was like, listen, the decisions that I was making were just destructive. And God literally had to save my life from death. And I know that before God, um, I knew God and he brought me to himself in Christ, he saved my life multiple times. And so when I became a Christian, it was easy for me to understand all that he was going to continue to do for me because he had mercy on me before I even acknowledged him. And that's the good news that when I acknowledged him, how much more so does he do for his children who love him and who obey him? This is the faithfulness of God on display that the Israelites were able to come into. Memorials, number one, display God's faithfulness. Memorials tell the story of God's faithfulness, grace, mercy, love, and power. Whenever the Israelites crossed the Jordan, Joshua said, Hey, listen, it's not enough that you're going to receive or be able to walk in this miracle yourself. I want you to go get stones right out of the miracle itself, and I want you to put them in Israel. And I want you to put them in Israel in such a way that not if, but when your children ask you, What do these mean? you can tell them the story of God. You can tell them the story of God's faithfulness. And nowadays, that is something that we've lost. Wouldn't you agree? We've lost telling the story of God's faithfulness, not just preaching through the Bible, but actually the story of God's faithfulness in individual lives. Whenever we have Instagram posts, or how many of you have had to go to a conference for work or read some motivational book before? Anybody have to do these things? And then all of a sudden you hear all of the different highlights of that particular topic, right? You hear the highlights of the conference you go to or you hear the highlights of somebody's day or the highlights of somebody's weekend whenever you see an Instagram post. But what it does not tell you in seeing the highlights is the story behind what it took people to get where they are today. And many people are paralyzed in God and discouraged because they only see the highlights and they do not know the process of God's faithfulness. And what memorials do is they literally are set up in our lives to tell God's story. That wherever you are, wherever you're starting from, you might not only see the end of the matter, but you might see its beginning. I'm encouraged and I was encouraged to serve God because though I did not grow up in the church, I knew people who also did not. And I knew that their lives were in shambles before I became a Christian, but now we're living wholeheartedly for him. Their lives rebuilt, restored, and an example of something that I wanted to have and I wanted to be in Christ. And so though my life was in disarray, I could look at them, see a memorial stone in their life, how Christ had changed them. And then I could say, listen, my life, can be like that too. My family could be like that too. Just because I came out of dysfunction doesn't mean that dysfunction had to perpetuate itself in my life because there was a memorial stone. There was a memorial stone set up. I saw the story of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection displayed in people's lives so that I could in fact imitate their faith and then come out just as they had. This is what the Israelites were able to see In setting up memorial stones on the other side of the Jordan after God had performed his miracle. God supplies the vision and the destination. Therefore, you're able to measure his faithfulness by his promises, right? You're able to look back and say, God promised us that we'd come into this land. This is what the Israelites were saying. But we had to have this miracle. We had to cross the Jordan to get there. These stones remind us that he's able and he's willing to do it. God is telling his ongoing story. And when the Israelites um, cross the Jordan and they set up the memorial stones, they're chronicling the history of God. We need to do that in our life today. We need to allow God to tell the story of his faithfulness. In pictures and in stories. That we, when Cole and Katie and I came back from North Carolina for a conference, I love it because in our church in North Carolina, you know, some of you might just be visiting the church now, but this church wasn't here several years ago. And I love seeing the history on our wall of how. 35 plus years ago, there were just a bunch of ruffians, you know what I mean, who got saved, started preaching the gospel, and then now have been literally seeing Jesus save lives, not only throughout that city, but throughout the nations of the earth because the story is being told and so i saw my pastor who's in his late latter 50s now and uh, but he still just adopted two young girls and i'm like you strong father abraham you know but the, like the thing is it's like it's like he he he's i saw him as a young man preaching you know what i mean on the college campus i was like i know that man you know what i mean he might be a little bit more silver now but i know him you know what i mean and i saw the story and i i saw like how people were not only saved but then trained up and discipled and then sent out you know to asia to africa to you know, South America, to the Middle East, proclaiming the good news of God. And so whenever it came time and God was tapping on us, saying, Cole, Ronald, let's go to Chicago. You know what we had faith for? That God was going to do something great again. Why? Because memorial stones had been set up. Why? Because we'd seen the story of God and basically we were able to put our faith in the same thing. I thank God for Chris. Come on now. It's like social media. That's right. Because we're going to tell the story. He and Ben are going to be talking about testimonies that are going to be delivered in God's hands in people's lives. One of the things that you can do is you can write letters to people. That's one of the lost arts today, right? Just writing letters. Writing a handwritten note to somebody to tell the story of God's faithfulness. I know that uh, there was a man named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Anybody seen a statue in the city? Okay, that's fine. Go, go around and a lot of them around. All right, listen, this, guys, get off of social media and actually see what's around you. <laughs> Some great stuff here, okay? But Goethe, he actually said, letters are among the most significant memorial a person can leave behind. When you actually leave behind for your family members or friends, the story of what God's done in your life. Who have you told the story to? Who have you communicated to? Who are you leaving it for? So that somebody might ask the question one day, why is your life been like this? Has it always been the way this way? And you can actually say, no, God's done a miracle in my life. And if he's done a miracle in my life, he can do it in yours as well. But it's got to be communicated. You've got to set up memorial stones to honor God for his faithfulness. And then it will also give you context for today's trials, right? Context for today's trials. Whenever we see that the Israelites pass through the Jordan River, we knew that it was a trial. It was a trial that they were going through. But what we see is that God was faithful in giving them a filter for today. Memorials give you a filter for the present trials as you continue on mission with Jesus. Even Jesus himself had a filter that whenever he was being eventually, per, not only performing his sons, wonders, and miracles, but eventually going to the cross, he had a filter that he was looking back to of his heavenly father's faithfulness throughout the generations, right? So Jesus was promised that he was going to be raised from the dead. Okay, good, pretty good promise, right? Okay, but here's the thing. Had he seen other or heard of others being raised from the dead before? The answer is yes. If you actually read the Old Testament, you see a man named Elijah, right? And Elijah, not in amongst the Israelites, but amongst a pagan nation, literally went to a Shunammite woman and saw her child raised from the dead. Elisha, the same, his successor, the same, saw God's mercy expressed on behalf of somebody who didn't even deserve it and saw another child raised from the dead, right? So whenever Jesus himself was going to the cross and he had a trial to endure, He had the encouragement of the fact that my heavenly Father has already raised the lifeless from the dead. In his own miracle ministry, when he stopped a widow's cough, like um, the coffin of a widow's son, and said, Stop right here. I know you'd be left on your own to fend for yourself in this culture if you're left without any heirs. Your husband is most likely gone and you only had your child to take care of you. Stop this funeral procession. And he raised that child from the dead, giving him back to his mother. What gave him the ability and the authority to do that? His heavenly father had already done it many times before. So that when he went to the cross and had to make the decision to voluntarily lay down his own life for us, he had great confidence that I'm coming back. That's right. It was not Arnold Schwarzenegger who said that first. I'll be back. It was Jesus. (laughs) It was Jesus. He said, "I'll be back," you know, and he said it in such a way, you know, to provide confidence for us all. So why do we have confidence and don't fear even death itself today? We don't fear death itself today. We are sheltered in our modern Western culture from the death that is so prevalent throughout the rest of the world, and it's part of life. It's part of life. And our military men and women, they know that. But we don't fear death. Why? Because we have somebody who's rescued us from that fear and the present trial that we're going through today. Why? Because he's resurrected. The one we have confidence in has been resurrected, and he says, I'm going to resurrect you too. Put your trust in me. As God's been faithful before, I'll give you context for your trial today as you hope in me Jesus had the process that he had to go through to even become obedient to the call of God in Hebrews chapter 4 it talked about the trial that he went through, you would have thought well if he's God's son does he really need to have anything explained to him does he need to have anything forged or shaped in him, right just like you, if you're a child of God in here do you really need to go through things? Well, I knew as a stubborn young man I needed to go through things to learn certain lessons. Anybody like me? They could talk at me all day long, and I was like, eh. And it sort of sounded like, you know, what is it? The peanuts, Charlie Brown's teacher. Wow, <laughs> wah, right? <laughs> That's what instruction sounded like to me. <laughs> but then when I went through stuff, Right? Then I was broken of my pride and I actually learned the lessons that God himself was actually trying to teach me. Jesus was not uh, obviously in need of that. But he still, as the son of God, had to go through trials to learn obedience, perfect obedience to his father that inevitably saved us. Let's look at that together. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It says, since then we have a great high priest. That's who Jesus is, right? Any of you who have grown up Catholic? That's right. Not your everyday priest, your high priest. Jesus. He says, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, just as the Israelites passed through the Jordan waters, right? The miracle of Jesus' ascension into heaven to sit at the right hand of the father. It's a miracle. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't that good news? That even in the things that God's called us to do and to be, he's saying, I've got a high call for you in Christ Jesus, but you're going to have weakness that you've got to overcome in the midst of it. He says, we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Isn't that good news? Does that encourage anybody? So that as I'm trying to serve God, as I'm trying to step into his miracle purposes, right? I'm being tempted along the way. It's like great ambition, but great temptation along the way. Anybody ever experienced that? Great ambition for God, but great temptation to fall short along the way. And he says, good news, even Christ the Son experienced every kind of temptation that you'd have, but was without sin. That means he knows, he can sympathize, he understands weakness, Jesus fully god but also fully man he got tired anybody ever get tired as you're trying to serve god anybody ever have to overcome discouragement anybody ever get hungry you might be hungry now We'll be done in a minute. Hold on. Okay, but the point is, Jesus experienced 100% God, but also 100% man. He experienced all of these weaknesses. He said, I've been tempted in every way, just as you are, yet I was without sin. So when you come to him as your great high priest, he's basically saying, if my heavenly father enabled me to live victoriously over the things that tried to take me out of the purposes of God, I'm telling you that as you come to me, I will help you too. That just as I overcame my trial because of my father's faithfulness, you will overcome your trials Through my faithfulness to you. Come to me and I'll help you. Come to me because I've already passed through the heavens. Not the Jordan River, but the heavens itself. And I live to intercede for you. Meaning I'm appealing on my heavenly Father's behalf. I'm appealing on your behalf to my heavenly Father. Saying, God, work on their behalf. Help them, strengthen them, give them grace. Let's continue reading. So Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever in the, after the order of Melchizedek. Don't ask me about that right now, we'll get to that later. Okay, Melchizedek. People are like, okay, talk to me about Melchizedek. Not today, okay? In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. You ever think about this? jesus the son of god special relationship with the father right but during his days of life on earth he offered up prayers with loud cries and tears this is more than just god is good god is great let us thank him for our food right which is the type of prayer life that most people have god thank you for this food let's eat (laughs) true He said, as the son of God, I'm going to the cross. I need need some help. And with loud cries and tears, I'm offering up prayers and supplications with tears to him, meaning his father, who is able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience. The same obedience that saved us. He learned obedience through what he suffered. Now that's not a That's not a popular word, right? He learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus himself had a process to go through that displayed God's faithfulness. And as we look to him today... As we are unveiling or unraveling, he's unraveling the story that, the part of the story that we're part of today, he'll express the same faithfulness to us. Your confidence in God's power to change your life, provision to supply your needs and purpose in advancing his kingdom through life circumstances today is all based on the testimony of what he's already accomplished in Christ. Why? He said he's the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. All things begin and end with him. All things begin and end with him. The question is, how does the reality of what Christ has already done provide encouragement for you to approach his throne of grace in the midst of trials today? How does what he's already done give you the encouragement to approach him today? Because he's already accomplished something, how are you going to let that motivate you to make your appeal to him today and every day? as he's creating and unveiling that story through you. It gives you a filter for today's trials. But finally, it also gives you a faith for tomorrow's high call. It's not just what God has done. It's not just giving you a filter for today's trials, but it's also giving you literal faith, good faith, great faith for what he wants to do in times to come in and through your life. Memorials give you faith for tomorrow's high call for you and not just you and the people with whom Jesus has joined you, right? That was the whole point of the memorial stones. It wasn't just that they would remember, but it's also those who are coming after them. So your family members, your friends, your coworkers if God's been faithful to you, he's no respecter of persons, right? He wants to be faithful and extend his faithfulness to them as well. Isn't that what Revelation refers to, right? Where he says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus' sacrifice, and the word of their testimony, right? The word of their testimony as they were testifying to God's faithfulness over and over again, they were able to overcome and they were able to help Faith arise in the hearts of the people who were with them to overcome as well. Let me tell you why I can tell you that you have, you have great hope for those of you who are not married or those who are newly married. Great hope. Great hope for a marriage, a godly marriage that will last and be fruitful and be good and be enjoyable. How about this? After many years, enjoyable. Why can I tell you that? Because God is after seven, it's going to be 17 years this year. 17, meaning of my wife and I, 17 years that we've been married. And I'm telling you through not only, not only good times, but challenging times. I love her more today than I did when I first said I do. And I don't say that just because I'm preaching. She's the Bamba. B stands for Bamba. Anyway, but the point is literally she is amazing. But you know what, before, the, before I experienced God's faithfulness working in our marriage, I heard so many other bad reports about marriage. How many people have heard bad reports before? Sort of like, you know, listen, it just gets, it gets worse, you know, the old ball and chain, you know, eventually, you know, like you just have to wake up next to each other and you're like, you know, who are you? You have bad breath. You know, and so all of a sudden, the thing is, I mean, those are the reports that you hear, but God has something different, Right. And so when I'm setting up a memorial stone, it's to testify and not only remind me of God's faithfulness to us, but it's to tell others who are coming after. God's got the same miracle grace for you in your marriage, in your life. Faith for the future. Faith for things he's called you to, right? In the same way, when we're saying, God Almighty, yes, we're excited about celebrating the McReebies who are going to the Middle East, right? Anybody excited about that? to preach the good news of Jesus, right? And then Kimberly was just telling me, many of you know the Lebes from the Philippines. For those of you who've been in the medical field, we're going to start putting together a medical mission trip to serve the community in the Philippines. Why? Can we believe for that? Because God's done it before. And if he's done it before, we've got faith for the future. He's going to do it again, Right? Faith for all things good. Whatever you see now, God is a God of blessing and increase. And he says, if you obey me, I'll bless you. And I'll increase my work in your life. Faith for the future, he says. Jesus said it ultimately when he said this. He says, listen, regardless of the trials that you experience in your, <clears throat> in your marriage, in your child rearing, in your work life, and just even your emotional state, he says, listen, let not your hearts be troubled. John 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be troubled, guys. Isn't that good news? He says, listen, be at peace. Jesus is always saying, peace. Right? Jesus is always speaking peace over people. Peace. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, meaning the Father, Right? Believe the one who's given you testimony after testimony, generation after generation. He said, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I, have told, <clears throat> what I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. <laughs> How can we know the way? He says, listen, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, I'm trying to bring you into the life of God. I'm trying to bring you into relationship with God. But you've got to come through Jesus the Son. You've got to come through his miracle life, his death, his burial, and his resurrections. If you don't know him today, you can turn to him and say, I'm putting my trust in you jesus i want the father i want access to all that he has for me and it's not just coming to him in a moment it's also basically he says there's a vision of a new heaven and a new earth that's faith for today but this life as we say all the time is not all that there is there is a life to come we don't hear that enough in modern preaching there is a life to come this isn't it. Stop living just for pleasures and the pleasures of today. There is a life to come. You are saved by grace through faith, but you are rewarded according to how you live for Him now. And He wants to give great reward eternally. And in Revelation, He gives us faith for that new heaven and new earth, ruling and reigning with Christ in His Father's house. In Revelation 28, I'm sorry, 28, there ain't no Revelation 20, or 21. 1 through 8 he said this and this is where we'll end he says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away see the story began with God but then there's an end to this present story <laughs> and he said and the sea was no more even Lake Michigan gone baby gone gone going to be gone he said and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. Let there be a memorial, write it down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega I know you're hot in here today, but it can get hotter is the point. He says, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Come to him and have faith in the hope of what's to come. Why? Because he's provided a faithfulness of who he is and what he's done on behalf of his people up to this point. Whatever trial you find yourself in today, cling to that faithfulness, and write down the memorial stones. You need to journal and write down the things he's already done for you that you might actually go to him and he might see you through today. And as you do, you have something to look forward to, a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness for those who've been waiting for him. This is his promise to you. He's been faithful before. He'll be faithful again. Just as he's resurrected from the dead, he said, I'm going to resurrect you too, either to eternal life or to eternal judgment. He says, choose life choose life. Today and always choose life. He loves you. He laid down his life for you. The best soldier we've ever known, but he came back from the dead showing that he's mighty and strong and that he's coming for you. So let's receive the love that he has for us in Jesus name. Amen. All right, worship team.